Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Wenzel Perspective. Glad everyone is able to join us. Hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. So we're going to kind of keep everything short and sweet for this episode. So we're kind of a little bit delayed, obviously, in the week. I know with the NFL schedule, it kind of threw us off, though. So obviously the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens game just finished up, and I believe the Pittsburgh Steelers came on top of that one. So while we're middle of the week, we're going to kind of go to some college basketball now that college basketball mostly kicked off on Thanksgiving Day. So we're going to kind of recap kind of how the Badgers are doing so far as well as Marquette. Uh, Wisconsin so far uh, coming in last week was ranked number seven. So, so far high expectations came for a Wisconsin team who returns basically everybody, including all five starters, with the exception of Brevin Pritzel. So is this um, a team that the expectations are very high, kind of like the 2014-15 Wisconsin team? Um, I wouldn't go to that far. That team, in my opinion, was way better. This team, I don't know. It just lacks a little bit of something. I do think they're good, but I don't know if they're quite top five team in the nation material yet. Um, wasn't now, this in the latest rankings that they come out at number five or four even? No, they're at number four right now. In fact, Wisconsin, you know, it's funny. Would So far, because the Big Ten is loaded. I mean, loaded. That's, They've got- that's the other thing, too. The Big Ten is so good, it's going to be hard to see Wisconsin being able to keep maintaining a solid record. I mean, they're, Wisconsin jumped up to number four, Iowa at number three, Illinois five, Michigan State came in number eight, and that was before knocking off Duke last night. Duke was at number six, obviously. And, of course, you got a team like Rutgers, who's at 24, Ohio State's 23, uh, Michigan's just outside the top 25, Indiana just lost to Texas, a ranked team, so they're outside the top 25, Maryland's just outside the top 25. So that's a – Pretty, it's, I think pretty, it's no doubt the best conference in basketball this year. Can at least see seven or eight teams so far if things play out that make the the big dance. So it's a it's high expectations, and the conference wasn't this loaded when that 2014-15 team of Wisconsin that had Frank Kaminsky, Sam Decker, Nigel Hayes, and company. The conference wasn't as widely stretched as in depth. I understand Michigan State went to the Final Four that year. But they kind of eight seed, I think. Or yeah, seven they even. were seven seed, I believe. So they were down that year. It just it wasn't it w- it wasn't like this year for sure. This might be one of the most in depth the Big Ten has ever been. And like you said, there is something that's missing from this Wisconsin team. I'm not sure if it's the consistency in the star players. I I do I, think I, that I was they, just gonna say I don't think they really have that guy that if you need a bucket, he's gonna get it for you. And they do have, like, really good players. I mean, if I had to say their best player would be Nate Reavers because he's not only their leading scorer coming at about 15 and a half a game or about 15, but he's also their best shot blocker at almost three blocks a game. And I want to say he is really close to getting the school record for blocks in a he career. just named a Wooden Award finalist. And I always thought, like, because he was a, a four-star coming in, a top 100 recruit in the ESPN 100 out of Minnesota, one of the probably seven or eight guys from Minnesota on the Badger roster. And so far, actually, Reavers this year shooting 61% from the field and 71% from the three-point line, an inside-outside guy. So you probably can say he's a more uh, consistent guy on the team so far. But the guys that you should be seeing at a more consistent level, we hadn't. We should say we haven't now in a couple of years, and that's Brad Davison and Demetrius Trice. Yeah. Before I mention that, two things I want to say. Uh, 
who is going to like take that final shot if you need it? Like with that Wisconsin team a handful of years ago, you had Kaminsky, you had Decker, you had Koenig. And then also yeah. Yeah. the numbers of Reavers might be a little inflated just because they haven't played anybody. And that with the teams they have played, I don't think anybody really matched up to his size real well. And it should be interesting though, because before I answer your question there, Cam, Wisconsin does travel to Marquette for the I-94 rivalry to take on the Marquette Golden Eagles. And then of course, the following Wednesday, they have a tough uh, non-conference game against Louisville in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And then you'll see one more non-conference game against Northern Iowa before they make way with conference play. But like you said, Cam, who is the guy that would be able to take that big shot? You like you want to say Brad Davison because he's been in those situations before. I'd go Trace over Davison. Yeah, but I'm just saying like he's been the guy that had been called upon. But yeah, Trace is an option. I I would even even give Reavers my myself to be an option. Obviously, Aleem Ford is a guy capable of making that shot, but consistency on that part is kind of a thing to look at as well. All right, back to that question. Do you want to re re ask that the one you had before? Uh, that question was. I don't. That's what I'm asking you. It's something about Davison and somebody. Well, who would take the big shot? No, no, no. It was I cut you off like right before you asked like the question. Like who's another guy that will step up behind Reavers? Uh, I don't know. Moving on. I gotta, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, to, yeah. Like you said, there's got to be a consistent guy that steps up in the main rotation because I don't think the Badgers really have the best player. I would say Reavers is the best player, but he's not the more consistent. Like I said, they all have their own consistent stretches and inconsistent stretches. And I do like the freshman class they brought in. Obviously, a lot of them getting some playing time earlier to you know make the Badgers go at least five deep. Yeah, their their bench is really youthful, but and so far in these three games, they've actually made a pretty big impact. I mean, Tyler Wall had 15 boards in like 17 minutes the other night. Yeah, and of course, he played a lot as a freshman last year coming from, is it Lakeville, Minnesota? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, because Lake City, I get Lakeville and Lake City mixed up. So another one of those Minnesota guys that can come in and make an impact. He's got a year of experience under his belt. And of course, once... Now they did come off a win against Green Bay, UW Green Bay yesterday, eighty-two to forty-two, I believe, was the, the final score on that. So that should be kind of the blunt of the weaker uh, portion of their non-conference schedule. And of course, I, I uh, think Northern Iowa is pretty weak too this year. They are down, but I do think that they do have a couple guys that can pose a threat, especially AJ Green at the point guard spot. So guys like Davison and Trice will have their hands full. AJ Green is a a huge shot maker for that team. So that, and I guess, like you said, Wisconsin, you never know. Wisconsin with how, take care of you never know with how college has gone this season already. I mean, we've seen some pretty big schools lose to those mid majors. Yep. I mean, you look at Kentucky lost uh, the other end against Richmond and then in rough Virginia lost against uh, San Francisco. San Francisco. That game was in Virginia and then Illinois just barely squeaked out a win against Ohio. I was hoping they would lose that one, but. Villanova lost to uh, – I'm zoning out because I had Villanova on my mind that for that little bit. Villanova was yeah, uh, I number three. Either. Yeah, they, it, it was a uh, – I don't – oh, Virginia Tech, which I wouldn't say it's a really – I mean, Virginia Tech's not a bad uh, power school. But regardless, yeah, that's uh, 
some of those schools. So Wisconsin should have no problem finishing out their non-conference schedule. So going forward, now once Wisconsin does hit conference play, we have seen guys like Carlson and Johnny Davis and Stephen Kroll, those freshmen have come in and have played some meaningful minutes. Is that going to continue for the Badgers in this and you know, as they hit the more important games? Yeah, if anything, I would think their roles would actually increase. I don't see why, any reason for them to decrease at all. As, and I think right now they're just still getting their feet wet. And like I said, I think they've all been ben Car- they've all been pretty impactful so far. Ben Carlson and Johnny Davis have looked really good so far, I think. And it's good to see Johnny Davis, who was ranked number two in the Wisports top 2020 class rankings, right behind Jalen Johnson. You know, watching him play, he was the main scorer for the lacrosse central team for ever since Kobe Kane had graduated from that t- 2017 team. And a true scorer can score from anywhere on the floor. He's done that so far, averages about six points in just under 20 minutes. So he's averages the most minutes off the bench so far for the Badgers. So he's really been that player off the bench for Greg Gard. Now, Ben Carlson, before I let you talk here, the one thing I'd like to see more out of Ben Carlson, who was the highest ranked recruit in the freshman class, is his rebounding. At 6'9", he's only averaging about a rebound, about 1.7 rebounds a game. So I think for the batters to really be impactful, he's got to be a big rebounder off the bench. Yeah, and I think the reason for Davis kind of getting more the majority of those minutes is I think Gard knows that he's going to be the guy that's going to get scoring off the bench. And to, to be honest, I think if he can get it going a little bit, he'd almost be the guy I want taking a shot at the end of the game. I think he just has that killer mentality that they need. I I didn't look yet, but I'd like to see what the Badgers team stats in terms of blocks compares to other teams in the nation. They average about eight blocks a game. And of course, like we said, it's just not conference so far. But Reavers is one of the best shot blockers in all of college basketball, so that does that does make an impact. And so far, Wisconsin, they have been. You look across the lines; they're forty-two percent from the field at um, on three-point percentage. They average like six steals a game, so their defense has been impactful so far. Kind of like the older Bull Ryan teams. So we'll see if that's able to uh, continue down the stretch as well. But otherwise, uh, statistical-wise, is there anything else you'd like to see from – you'd like to point out for Wisconsin? No, I think, yeah, just the the two bigs are going to be the ones where we see a lot of the production coming from, and I think that's what we need going forward. So I guess with that being, how do you think they stack up against the rest of the Big Ten? I mean, from what I've seen, Iowa looks very good. I think they're no doubt my my favorite to win it all – or win the Big Ten anyways, I mean – I just don't see them losing very many games or losing many games with that roster they have. Yeah, especially when you have the preseason national player of the year in Luca Garza. You've got uh, McCaffrey, you've got Bohannon at the guard, and I know I'm missing a couple guys offhand in the starting rotation that either can just make big shots and big plays on both ends of the floor. Uh, is basically if, if Fran McCaffrey can be on top of his game, they're an easy pick to – well, I guess – let me take that back. I shouldn't say easy, but they should be the pick to beat the Big Ten. But Illinois has looked really good so far. That combination of Io Dasunmu and Kofi Cockburn, uh, you know, inside out, it's been big. The freshman four-star Adam Miller out of Chicago has been big so far for Illinois. I so think I that's, think Wisconsin that means- would match up pretty well against Illinois. I mean, they just have those, like you said, those two two main guys. Whereas Wisconsin is more well-rounded. 
where I think, like, against Ohio, their flaws really showed out and how much they relied on Desan Moose, so. I think Brad Underwood's also proven to be an underrated coach there in Champaign. He's kind of bumped around a little bit. He was at Oklahoma State, wasn't there very long. I think before he was at Oklahoma State, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, I think he was at Stephen F. Austin before he was there for a little bit, before he went to Oklahoma State. Then he left Oklahoma State after one year to go to uh, Illinois. So that's kind of a, a little journey for him. But Michigan State, they've got the best coach in the Big Ten. Obviously, a top, in my opinion, he might be the best coach in the country in, in overall, Tom Izzo. I do think he's I, – I would actually have him number one over Coach K in Calipari. Yeah, you, you, you know what Michigan State's going to give you every year, and they got a pretty talented roster coming in. And the class, Yeah, the class isn't hyped, though, the recruiting class. Yeah, they've got four stars like Rocket Watts and now like Joey Hauser now has come in. Uh, they lost Cassius Winston. Uh, Tillman's gone. Guys like that. Uh Langford's back this year, so Tom Izzo can do a lot with three, four-star guys, kind of like what Bo Ryan did with Les back in Wisconsin days. So Michigan State, you got to look up. Now they just came off and beat Duke. Duke, obviously, a freshman-oriented team too, so that's another big one. And, of course, we pointed out Rutgers is in the top 25 along with Ohio State. Michigan, as well as Maryland, uh, just outside – Indiana, just outside the top 25, so – It'll be interesting to see. I think Nebraska, now is the first conference game Wisconsin opens up with. Could be a little bit interesting. I think Nebraska will be having a better year than their poor year the last couple of years. I think Fred Hoiberg just needs a little bit of time to, to get things going. So there. if you were to take a prediction, where do you see the Badgers kind of finishing in the standings? I know we're only a weekend, plenty of time left for things to happen, but just a little early prediction. I'm going to go three. I would probably put Iowa at number one. I would go Michigan State two, Wisconsin three, and then I would slide Illinois. That's kind of where I, I want to see what you. I want to see what I want to see what Illinois can do in the 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 beginning stretch of conference play before I kind of before I kind of give them even a higher nod. I, I know Wisconsin's had Illinois' number recently. Uh, Wisconsin hit or miss with Michigan State. Wisconsin can has had Iowa's n- number two, but Iowa hasn't been as good in the past as they have had now. So, I, think, I think I might I, go you know, give it, give it Wisconsin over Michigan State just because of the experience Wisconsin has. That'd be my sure. reasoning. But, yeah, I'd say Wisconsin two or three. And, yeah, I like the order that you were saying. Before we move on from Wisconsin here, we'll just kind of point out uh, Christmas Day, uh, Wisconsin is at Michigan State, which is a big game. They've got Maryland in the game after that. Uh Indiana on January 7th, Michigan, January 12th. That's a big stretch from January 7th to January 23rd. They've got Indiana, Michigan, Rutgers, and Ohio state and away games at Michigan Rutgers. That should be good. Illinois, their first matchup against Illinois is on February 6th. That is in Champaign, Iowa. Their first matchup isn't until February 18th. That'll be at the Cole center and March 7th is their game at Carver or Hawkeye Carver arena. I think that's how you call it, which is an obvious in Iowa city. And Illinois, February 27th is their other matchup. So a little, a lot of time left between those bigger matchups. So Michigan State is the first big matchup that they'll face conference play on Christmas Day. So that will be a, be a big-time uh, schedule, whoever can come out on top, especially with how good the Big Ten has been. So anything else you'd like to point for Wisconsin before we move on to Marquette? No, I think we got her all. 
All right, we'll move on to Marquette. So far, Marquette, um, you made the comment um, late last week that you thought Marquette was the better of the in-state no, teams. No, I mean, I think they're more. I think they're yes, more you did. talented. Yes, you did. I, Wisconsin's better, but I think Marquette's more talented. You did. You did make the comment that you thought Marquette was the better team. <laughs> well, obviously, anybody knows Wisconsin's better. Well, not you. You literally told me no, that you thought Marquette, Marquette was the is better more team. Talented. Wisconsin's the better team. You said that they were better, so we'll just leave <laughs> okay. it at that. But so far, Marquette coming in at 2-1. and one. We got to watch him play a little bit. Before I move on from Wisconsin, I will just say Wisconsin so far has beat Eastern Illinois, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and UW-Green Bay so far. So two mutual teams on the Marquette schedule. Marquette has also beaten both Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Eastern Illinois. And now has come has come off their first loss yesterday against Oklahoma State 70-62 to in their – First big matchup of the year, they went against Cade Cunningham, the number one recruit in the 2020 class, as well as the projected number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft. Cunningham went for 15 points, six rebounds, and two assists in their victory, as well as Marquette had a quiet game from big-time freshman Dawson Garcia, as well as a quiet game from five-star transfer DJ Carton. Uh, Kobe McEwen, the transfer last year, or I should say the year before, from Utah State was their main guy with 21 points. So you look at this team, Cam, top to bottom, I think they, as you said, they've got more talent in your opinion. What do you, uh, what do you think of this Marquette unit? That's a little bit rounded considering they've got some losses. They've got to fill like Marcus Howard. Oh uh, well, yeah. I was, I missed the Oklahoma state game, but I was able to catch the first two games and I was just highly impressed with Dawson Garcia. I think everyone knew what he was coming in, but so far, He's played well, excluding that Oklahoma State game. He was kind of not much of a factor. Like I said, I didn't really get to to see it. To see. We didn't really, yeah, we didn't really get to watch. We had coaching for Medford last night as well. We had our, you know, other stuff. But yeah, there. I mean, in the in the games that I've watched, he's really impressed so far. He's been pretty dominant down low, um, and I'm really excited about DJ Carton too. I don't think he has had too much opportunity yet. He's been fairly quiet, but I think he's got, he's got a lot to show yet. Yep, DJ Carton, uh, five-star guard out of the 2019 class, out of the state of Iowa. Marquette was in the initial top four for Carton's recruitment. Ended up picking Ohio State over Marquette, Iowa, Illinois, you know, most of the Big Ten in there. So a nice lefty guard that's pretty crafty with the ball. is a very good passer. Uh, handles the ball well for a point guard. When I saw that he was transferring, I think he had stated there was mentality issues. You know, obviously Ohio being a little bit farther from Iowa, not – too too far, but Marquette obviously being a little bit closer there in Milwaukee. So I saw that I thought that was going to be a big a big fill. I thought actually he would have to sit out a year, but then I believe he was granted immediate eligibility. That was a big big plus for the Golden Eagles because I don't know if they would have had a true point guard. You know, McEwen's a Carton more of a two guard. Carton has what? come off the bench. I don't think he's for now, but he is their main guy and he will be a starter at. When when the more bigger consistent matchups have come along, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He really hasn't had too much opportunity yet. I think he's his time is coming. Do you think that the state of Wisconsin has two the top two or two of the top shot blockers in all of college basketball? You know, you mentioned Nate Reavers, but Theo Johns also averaging three blocks in three games so far. Is that kind of a, a statement that would 
be actually reputable? Is that something that Wisconsin, the state of Wisconsin, has a case for in these two shot blockers? I mean, yeah, but I guess I don't really know what else is out there. I haven't looked at top duo. Well, Isaiah Jackson. (laughs) Isaiah Jackson for Kentucky had like eight blocks last night against Kansas as the five-star freshman, so there's (laughs) one right there. Yeah, does Louisville have anybody then? They might, but yeah, like you said, it's so tough at the top of our head to think of 300 teams that have big-time shot blockers that can put up, you know, numbers like that. So, so. Yeah, go, go, uh, but, yeah, like I was just going to say, Dawson Garcia, the first five-star All-American, McDonald's All-American since Henry Ellenson in 2015, you said you were impressed with him coming out of the state of Minnesota as well. So, you know, Wisconsin wasn't in the final schools, but Wisconsin recruited uh, Garcia. Marquette actually getting the services of Garcia over schools like Arizona, Baylor, uh, Texas Tech. So that's kind of a big pickup for Wisconsin inside-outside guy. Dawson Garcia is actually shooting 57% from three in three games so far. So he's an inside-outside threat, and I know you were excited with him. If Carton and Garcia, both left-handed guys, can take over, and then you mix in the experience of McEwen, uh, Jamal Kane, Greg Elliott, that's – you know, then if they can get consistent coaching out of Wojo, that's a good lineup because I think so far the four-star freshman Justin Lewis has been impressive himself. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing moving forward for Marquette is just staying with that consistency. Um, it'd be nice to see them kind of finish in that top four in the Big East, hopefully a little bit higher. I just saw the uh, conference rankings, I think, by Fox Sports, and they had Marquette, I think, like fourth from the bottom in – the conference standing projections. So it, it, it seems like Marquette could be better, but until they can beat some of these good teams in the non-conference stretch, well, then I think uh, those rankings might be um, up to date. Cause you know, you look at it now, Wisconsin does come into town Friday. So that's a big in-state matchup that can prove to some of these voters but of course, they've got Green Bay next Tuesday. That's not really much of a matchup. But then they've got UCLA in uh, Los Angeles next Friday, which could be a big-time matchup. Now, UCLA is struggling so far. And so far, UCLA can get these five-star guys every year, four-star guys. And Mick Cronin behind the helm is a good coach, but they somehow underachieve. They somehow are a 12-13 loss team every year. Either they're barely making the big dance or they're going to the NIT. They underachieve with these big recruits. So that's a challenge for Marquette that they can uh, that they can try to prove to some of these voters and other other people that they're for real in the Big East. Yeah, those are the games that you need to win, especially then teams that have had those problems in the past. So like I said, they got to win those. Those are the gimmies that you need, especially against – I mean, yes, they might have more losses, but those are still quality wins that look semi-good on a resume. You know, it's really funny right now. So I'm actually looking through at Marquette's schedule through ESPN, and it's where they have after December 23rd is cut off. So I have no idea why the schedule is cut off. Wisconsin's was there, so I can't really look past it. But, I mean, they're, other than UCLA, their first conference game the following Monday is, is in Omaha against Creighton, and Creighton might be the best team in the Big East. If it weren't for uh, Tyshawn Alexander coming back, he could have came back, and I think he went to the draft. He went undrafted. They would have had him back. They would have been a top three team. But Creighton's number nine. Marcus Zagorowski is a finalist for the Bob Cousy Award. And then Seton Hall's always an underrated team. Xavier is down. But then they go to Villanova. Or, excuse me, Villanova comes to Milwaukee. 
on de- December 23rd. And then Providence is always up and down, you know, teams like that. It's, it's really hit or right. miss in the big East. Well, I mean, I guess speaking of Marquette, what do you think of the two ex Marquette players and their debuts with their new team so far? Not too bad so far. Obviously the, if Virginia wouldn't have lost to San Fran, it would have been a, um, a different, different look for Sam Hauser. In fact, I mean, Hauser, I'm not sure if he even leads the team because Virginia had one of their better recruiting classes this last year under the Tony Bennett era. And Sam Hauser comes in this season as the ACC preseason player of the year, which is pretty impressive for a four-star or a high three-star, low four-star guy coming out of Stevens Point, Wisconsin, you know, a preseason player of the year over, you know, five-star guys out of Duke, like Jalen Johnson and, you know, DJ Stewart. And you got the guys from Carolina, you know, Louisville, you know, guys like that. And I'm going so fast. I can't even think of some of the more veteran players that come from, from in conference right now. So it's a pretty big uh, expe- high, you know, set of expectations that Sam Hauser has in Charlottesville this year. Um, a lot of people even have Virginia as the ACC favorite this year, but you never know when Virginia can get tripped up, like at, you know, versus these teams. Like they lost to uh, was it UMBC yep. in the tournament? They lost as a one seed, so they're prone. They are prone to losing to some of these teams, like San Francisco the other week, that can be a head scratcher. And then, as you said, for Joey Hauser, he's been pretty solid so far for the Spartans. Spartans number eight coming into this week, now upsetting the number six seed Duke in uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium. I think that's the first win ever for Michigan State in Duke. And Duke has usually been very successful against Michigan State over the past several years. Coach K has always had Coach Izzo's number. So that's a big win for the Spartans, Joey Hauser. Offense has been up and down, but as a rebounder, he's been very aggressive for the Spartans. Oh, well, I mean, his offense has been pretty consistent. I mean, he, he's had double figures in each game, going from anywhere from 10 to 15. I'm, I mean, like, I'm going for shoot, I'm going for shooting percentage, though. He has been kind of inconsistent with yeah, the shots and so then, far. Yeah, like I said, his reb- or you said his rebounding has been very well. He's had a double-double in two of the three games, and then the third one, he only missed it by one board. So I think it's been a pretty good start for Joey in Michigan. Yeah. What about uh, tell our listeners uh, the start that Jalen Johnson's had so far at Duke, the number one player out of Wisconsin in the 2020 class, probably so far is the best player to ever come out of Wisconsin. And I'm sure Patrick Baldwin might have a case to take. That yeah. I mean, next the Duke's had two games and it's been on both ends of the spectrum. Um, the first game against Coppin state. I mean, he had 19 and 19, but again, you're playing against a very low tier school and then, Against a more, and he only won right. by ten, and then over against State. a more competitive opponent, Michigan State, he only went for eleven and four while shooting thirty six percent from the field. So, I don't know. It's kind of hard to judge that so far. Like I said, against some actual competition, he did maybe a below average, and then you know the lesser competition, he excelled. So I guess it's kind of middle of the road so far for Jalen Johnson. Sure. And, of course, we mentioned Johnny Davis, who was the number two player in the state for the class of 2020 in the state of Wisconsin. He's been one of the more impactful players overall off the bench for Greg Gard's Wisconsin Badger team. And it'll be interesting to see, as we mentioned, what the uh, the bench depth will look like come the Marquette game and then beyond when they've got Louisville as well as Northern Illinois and then hit conference play. So we'll see the impact that Johnny Davis can make. Uh, what about – 
we we mentioned that Jacob Agnesevic from Sheboygan Lutheran, who was ranked four. He's really hasn't seen much so far at Valparaiso. Yeah, he's correct? only had about a dozen minutes so far. Yep, and I think Dalton Banks he could redshirt this year. I'm no, not no. sure if that's uh, also Jamari Sibley. The there wasn't really much online for him. I don't know if he's played in a game yet for Georgetown. Yeah, but I, we haven't heard if he's hurt or if he's redshirting. I know, actually, to be when I look back at the Fox Sports projections for the conference rankings, they actually had Georgetown finishing last in the Big Ten or the Big East this year. So they're not really expecting high hopes for Patrick Ewing's squad. Of course, they lost Mac McClun, the transfer to Texas Tech. Which Cam, I don't understand, and we'll go into a conversation some other time. It's very inconsistent how the NCAA can grant eligibility and ineligibility for guys that transfer. Because you think players are supposed to sit out here, but Mac McClung gets a waiver to play at Texas yeah, Tech I after mean, I transferring. Guess it's the same as DJ Carton. So, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I never understood that. But if they go to Kansas, then they gotta sit out here. So, but is there anything else that you like to address with? The Marquette Golden no, Eagles covered it this all. year so far. I know Marquette lost out on a big tar- top target for high school basketball for a big four-star big guy. That guy committed to UCLA. So maybe Marquette can prove uh, next Friday playing UCLA that the guy made a different choice. So we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, <clears throat> other prospects that we didn't go over that so far have started. I know we could go on forever with that. I mean, there's always guys at mid-major schools that nope. we've heard of, but. I mean, Patrick Patrick Baldwin, so far the number one player in 2021, started his high school career off with a loss to Wabatosa East. He had 43 points, but more to come there as he's down to a final nine in his recruitment. Wisconsin hanging on in the final nine. Probably won't see Wisconsin make too much of a threat after that. Rumor is Duke and UW-Milwaukee, where his father coaches at UW-Milwaukee, are the favorites for that. So we'll see what happens there as the season progresses in this winter. Anything else you'd like to address with the Marquette team? Nope. I got one question for you before we go, completely unrelated to college basketball. All right. We had to get okay. a little bit of our NFL segment here. So, with the game for this past weekend, does New England pull it off and make the playoffs? I mean, you saw they beat the Cardinals. I mean, Cardinals might be losing their chances at playoffs. Patriots, what do you got? You know, I did my pick of the day, too, for our, our group, and I actually um, I picked the Patriots to beat the Cardinals just because the Cardinals are struggling right now. And I, when you come down to experience here, you probably would have to maybe take Bill Belichick in any situation over Cliff Kingsbury. Well, no, I'm not talking Cam about Newton hasn't been for the game. I'm just talking about is New England making the playoffs. I mean, they're like a game back or so, or two games back. But yeah, I I, I, pre- I predict them to beat Arizona, but I'm not sure what the rest of the of the Patriots schedule looks like, other than they probably probably play Buffalo at least one more time. Were they five yeah, or and five then, and six right now? I think they're they beat Arizona, which I predict they'll be six and six. I can see them winning nine games and maybe squeezing a wild card in because of the the new format this year, where you get the extra couple teams. So, yeah, I'm going to say they slide in because of That'd that be format. Quite a turnaround after a pretty poor start and what was looking like an end of a streak for the Patriots. Uh, I will say one thing, though, one NFL thing before we uh, wrap it up here. I will say look at the turnaround that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had, you know, in the last few weeks or so. I know they had a tough loss. I mean, 
the Chiefs are the best team in the league with, alongside Pittsburgh. But the praise that like yeah. ESPN and other like websites have given Tampa Bay. No, they're saying that, Oh, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady's going for I number think, seven. He's going to win number seven, like, but they just, I know there's a lot of talks. Like they're still getting used to each other. I mean, they didn't have a preseason to work out the, the chemistry with everybody. And then adding Antonio Brown, that's more chemistry. They got to work in. So, I mean, they have a top five ish defense in the NFL and Tom Brady's still getting used to his receivers. I think a lot of it is on his decision-making, but He's experienced. He'll figure it out, and I think they'll be fine going forward. Yeah, I mean, I know the AFC is better than the NFC. That's just me, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree. So it's very competitive, and you never know what will come out. You know, Pittsburgh could stumble. Kansas City could stumble, depending on what what the format looks like. You know, Baltimore is hit or miss. Tennessee and Buffalo are up there, obviously. So it'll should be interesting. Otherwise, anything else you'd like to address before we wrap things All up here with our end. listeners? Sounds sounds good. So that'll wrap up everything for Cam and I. I'm glad everybody's able to join in. You can listen to this episode through the Anchor link on Facebook and Twitter, as well as on our Spotify page. Check out our Instagram page for more interesting graphics, as well as the link itself to our podcast, as well as some updates on Twitter. So glad everyone is able to join us. Hopefully everybody has a fantastic rest of their week and we will see you later for